welcome to Advocate Like a Mother podcast. We are here to empower and inspire you to use your voice. I'm Ileana. I'm Andy. And I'm Michelle. Today we are joined by Megan DeJarnette. She's a speaker, author, founder of No Such Thing, and the author of a children's book, No Such Thing as Normal. She was also crowned Miss Wheelchair Tennessee 2020. How are you guys doing, guys? Doing good. Doing super good. <laughs> awesome. What's up with your kids? What's going on? <laughs> um, so we had, uh, I guess like it was, it's not our official like annual EIP, but they did like- IEP? IEP, thank you. Gosh. Um, IEP. And it was uh, like a, they had to do like some kind of like check-in meeting where they had to like update, I think, from uh, her- um, cause she. Yeah, because she had to do a psychological eval and an academic eval to kind of update like the records because she's a we're part of a homeschool charter, so it's like it's kind of a private um, like IEP company that does it or like the way that they kind of handle it. Um, and so that was interesting. So because it just kind of there was a bunch of like random stuff that was in there that like made no sense. Mm. Like there was like oh has shown aggression for such another and it was like what like what and we asked like how did you get that result like well it was based on your questionnaire and basically the questionnaire that got evaluated all this stuff and it kind of like pops out like you know conclusions based on a collection of just answers and we're just like no there's no like there's no way that's in that's going to be in the record we're striking that from the record like because it's just like there's you would there's no reason to ever expect that she's going to be aggressive for any reason so but that was like one of like a number of different things that were just like in there from like previous content or something carried over or like the questionnaire was giving us weird information back and so we kind of had to do a bunch of correcting of of things and and all of that so it's kind of it's it's different because now we're navigating the more of like a homeschool charter version it's not like public school so we're, we're kind of still learning how some of the things are implemented and what's available and what you know it's it's mostly the same as what we see in the public school system as far as like what we're entitled to um but now we're we're fighting for um getting a one-to-one aid just because the uh it, it actually would enable her to participate in things that she can't participate in now Whereas, like, it's a little different from public school in that way. It's more like she can go on more things as long as there's someone intentionally looking out for her safety. So as long as, like, that's, you know, a thing, we're going to we're gonna be working to try to make that happen. So, but, uh, yeah, so that's new. So we kind of, it'll be in the future, guys, but we did just record um, an episode with uh, a lawyer for special education who also has a disability. And so that was a really fun interview, but so we got to chat a little bit about that and, and learn some things. So that's coming in the near future, but um, yeah. So that's, that's exciting. I'm glad you got that fixed. That's really annoying to like find random things in the IEP. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. We've been getting yeah. emails from Eli's school. They've been wanting to do assessments and stuff, but you know, so they're emailing me asking about, you know, stuff from like PT from last year. They're saying, can he climb up steps without, you know, holding your hand or, and so I have to like keep sending in these videos. And then one thing that's been kind of funny is his PT, PT, I can't say that, physical therapy teacher <laughs> sent us <laughs> like a list of things to be doing at home. And like one of them was like wall chair sits. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, that's not happening in our house. Like, that's amazing that you think that I can get him to do that, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. My CrossFit trainer is sending me the same thing. <laughs> and I, like, I, I'm, and my response back to him is the same thing. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> yeah. No, we've been, we've actually, like, today was such a big day for us because Giselle went back to school nice. for the first time. And Yay. Yay. Oh, my gosh. It was just, first of all, what I didn't anticipate was how, like, scared I would be. I think we were all really excited for her to start and we were just pumped and we were all counting down just like everybody else. And then we finally, we've gotten like a million dates just like everybody, I'm sure, knows like, we're reopening, psych, we're reopening, psych. And so finally, like, you know, 
the day came and I'm waiting for that email, that last minute call and it didn't happen. So she was really going. And, and I think for us, like the biggest thing is like, while we were super excited that she would be, even if it was half day, it's half day, four days a week, it's a big deal. But for a kiddo who really struggles with, you know, sensory overload and just all of the things, it was kind of frightening to be like, is this going to be a lot for her? Is she going to have a really great day because she missed it? Or is she going to absolutely lose it? And she had an okay day. And I will take that right? any day of the week. <laughs> According to her mm-hmm. teacher or her substitute, she had an okay day. But it was just so exciting um, to get her like on the bus. And just she actually just knew how to like function. She stared at the bus and was like, I know this foreign thing. I know it. <laughs> and like, you know, she with CP, you know, has really struggled to kind of get on the bus independently. And when those doors open, it's been a year, like it's almost yeah. been a yeah. year. And, you know, I've I always help her, you know, put her hand on the railing, just kind of get that sequencing going. And when those door those doors opened, she immediately put her hand out to like grab the rail. Oh, yes. Like didn't skip a beat. So it was really exciting. Um, and she had a great day. I mean, Good. okay, according to her standards. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I uh, can't believe it's been like a year. It's going to be an anniversary of this trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like in a hop skip of, of, a, of a minute, you know? So does she so have that's... a new teacher this year? Well, um, she's still like in first grade. So the school year is still continuing. But her her actual teacher, the one she was Zooming with and everything, she's on maternity leave. So it's a sub. Okay. Um, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I don't like new people with my kid. I struggle every year. <laughs> um, uh, it's just it's just a lot to navigate when you have a kiddo who you just know struggles. But I always try to like remind myself that she's super strong and she adjusts well. It's just, you know, me with all of my parent mode of just wanting her to be in the best situation. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how the rest of the year is gonna go. The few short months we have left, because <laughs> we don't know if like we don't know about summer school or anything, or if the you know what shoe's gonna drop soon. So we're just we're just excited. Monday came, she went to school, yep. and we just take it day by day. Yep, let's celebrate. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, so we've got uh, Megan Desjarnet, uh coming up here as our guest. Give us a little uh, little tidbit of what we have to look forward to with that, uh, Ileana. Yeah. So first of all, I was super excited to to interview her. I've been following her for quite some time. I love her perspective. I think first and foremost, she's a self advocate, and she also advocates for her son. So that dynamic was really interesting to kind of hear how her own upbringing has kind of both challenged her and helped her in advocating for her son. And she's just incredibly open to just share all the things. She's so personable. And I think that that's kind of interesting because, you know, when you talk about like, super personal things and questions that she often gets because she's, you know, pretty open with just like, Hey, ask me anything. It was really cool to kind of see like that dynamic between her and her husband and just, I guess her willingness to be just share all the things, which isn't like necessarily the playbook for everybody. You don't necessarily get that information or should we even have to, but it was such a good insight to just see her and then also hear about all these accomplishments. I mean, she's a successful business person and has, you know, her own stuff and is doing pageant work. And so it's really just giving such a great narrative and the narrative we don't often hear about disabled individuals and also disabled moms. It's just, it's just awesome. It was a good time. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us today on the show. Without further ado, here's our interview with Megan Desjarnet. Hi, everyone. Hi, this is Eliana with Advocate Like a Mother. I am so beyond pumped to have Megan here with me. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today on Advocate Like a Mother. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Tell me about yourself, your family. Well, that is always the hardest when everyone's like, tell me a little about you. I'm like, where do you start? Right. Right? Um, But especially for the audio listeners only, just to give a little um, background on me. Um, My name is Megan. Like you said, I am uh, in my early thirties and um, I'm in an electric wheelchair actually, for those of you who are not seeing the video, um, I've been in a wheelchair actually since I was three years old, I had my first power chair. Um, but kind of to give you a really overview of me, um, I'm a mom of two. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I am a newly entrepreneur, uh, business owner, um, an author. Uh, yeah, I, I love people. I love sharing my story and I love encouraging others. I think that is kind of in a nutshell, but, uh, I would say like my life purposes are so. I love that. Um, now, for those who don't uh, follow you, which hopefully by the end of this interview, every single person will be, um, because they'll just absolutely fall in love with you. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, why you're in a wheelchair. Um, and we might take it back a little bit back to childhood of just, you know, what it was like growing up overall, you know, what it was, what that experience was like overall in terms of accessibility and inclusion as a child. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, like I said, I've been in a chair since I was three. I was born with um, a disease called spinal muscular atrophy, and I have type two. Um, And basically what that means is I have overall muscle weakness. So I've never walked um, a day in my life. um, And it progresses, it atrophies over time. So when I was, you know, five, I was stronger than I I am currently. Um, To kind of give everyone a little you know, understanding of my day in and day out. Um, you know, I, I don't transfer myself. I can't get myself in and out of bed. I can't change myself. Um, you know, my husband brushes my hair. He washes my hair. He um, helps me with everything as far as staging things so that I can be as independent as I can be. I do a lot of my work from my phone or my computer, things like that. But I would say, you know, as a child, um, I was extremely blessed to have parents really um, paved this path for me of understanding that I was capable of doing anything that I really wanted to do. It might look different. I might have to, you know, adapt to certain things and change the way that I do things, but, um, you know, to, to set dreams and goals before me and, and go after them. Um, even as like a little, little girl, you know, I, I attended public school and I had friends and I, I did sleepovers and I did all those things. And, and yeah, that looked different for, you know, my friends and their families. And when I wanted to go with friends to the mall when I was in high school, like I needed to use an accessible vehicle and, you know, couldn't just hop in the car with my friends. You know, it really, obviously it it affected my everyday life, but I never let it hold me back from doing the things that I, that I wanted to do in all the stages of life, whether I was a little, little girl, a teenager, a young adult, you know, wherever, wherever I was at in life. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of like progress with accessibility and inclusion. I'm sure as you can see now going from, you know, looking back as a child to now as being you know, an adult. So where do you see the greatest changes in, in all of that? And where are the biggest gaps that I think we've still have yet, you know, yet to be bridged? I know loaded question, right? <laughs> It's, that's a hard one. You know, I, I joke and say, like, I, I remember my parents having like this massive heavy metal ramp that they would throw in their minivan to get our wheelchair. Actually a little bit more of our story. My brother and I, I I'm one of four children and uh, my brother and I were both in electric wheelchairs. And so not only were they dealing with one, but they were dealing with two of us that right. had, um, you know, physical disabilities. And so, a lot of challenges arose. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I, I, we've come a long way. My, our vehicle right now, you know, my little brother, he actually passed away last year, but before he had passed away. He had done his first vehicle that he was himself with a joystick, which is like incredible. I mean, it looks like some spaceship. Oh, wow. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really cool, but it really provided, it really gave him freedom. It gave him, um, independence it allowed him to go off to college, go do the things he wanted to do without needing, you know, my parents or even, you know, aides and nurses right by his side. So I think we've come a long way in some really, really cool 
equipment and, you know, different um, adaptations for, for everyone's needs that are so different. Um, I think the technology and, and the people that are behind it really are trying to seek and ask, you know, what are the needs and how can we, what are other ways we can learn to communicate or just the cool technologies that are, you know, available nowadays. As far as the biggest gap, I mean, that's, that's a hard one. I think every person would have their own personal opinion on what their needs are. Um, I think a lot of times for, for my personal you know, experience, the gap comes in when it's um, the in-home care and what we qualify for and what we don't qualify for with insurance. And as an adult now, you know, am I, you know, am I allowed to make X amount of money without my health insurance being affected? There's a lot of that is a, is a really hard balance and struggle. Um, but I do think people are rising up. I'm, I'm really proud of the community of, of parents. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of that. You know, I have to advocate for myself. I learned that from my mom, but also now for my children. Um, my, my older son, Bronx, has um, cerebral palsy. And so, you know, there's things I'm having to step in and learn because it's totally different from what I experienced and, and the things that I need. But as far as that, yeah, I, I think this community of, of parents and, and the advocates and things like that, they're rising up and they're, they're, um, they're not taking no for an answer when they feel like it's not appropriate. And they're fighting for what they truly see our needs for their family. And that is huge. Um, even just as like a small example, you know, I, I moved only three years ago cross country uh, with my husband and we were chasing dreams here in Nashville, Tennessee. And a big challenge as a lot of medically, um, you know, uh, people that have different medical needs experience, the insurance was this huge hurdle for us oh, to yeah. jump through. And it's like moving your family with two littles across the country is hard enough on top of all the other things that, you know, our family has to go through. And so they came to me and they told me, you know, you're not going to qualify for this, this, and this. And everyone around me was telling me, yeah, you're just not going to like the state of Tennessee is really poor in their, you know, in that department. And I was like, that's not acceptable. Like, right. This is what I actually, this is what I need, you know? And so I fought it and it wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't kudos to me, but it was look, I, I'm, I'm coming to you and I'm going to speak up and say, no, this is like, this is a need for me and for, for my family. And so you know, long story short, they ended up approving me more. They actually came back there like, you have the most like attendant care hours or respite hours that we've wow. ever seen in the state of Tennessee. And I'm like, you know, I just wish other families would know that they have that option, that they can fight for what they really need, basically. Um, no, I mean, and I think a lot of people are very unaware about those challenges. Um, even just mentioning that, you know, a wheelchair gives freedom. That is actually a pretty radical kind of statement for those who don't know it and don't live it, that it really is just an awesome piece of equipment that gives you freedom and independence. And I think that that's, that's why interviews like this are really important to kind of open people's eyes to see that there's a whole, it's just so much bigger than just, you know, Oh, accessibility. That's, you know, a loaded question. Um, like, I, it's, you know, I'm, it's not that I'm not passionate about accessible playgrounds and things like that, but, um, and I think everyone, I actually just had a conversation with somebody, I think we all have our parts to play in this. Absolutely. And for some people, it's, it's, for some people, it's going after the accessible playgrounds so those kids can, you know, play alongside all the other children. Um, you know, a lot of times my heart goes towards the new, the new parents of newly diagnosed children yes. and they just don't know they don't have the resources um I remember I met this one lady and I was just simply sharing about my my children's book and she was you know opening up and sharing the struggle she's having and I was like you know that they have assistance for that she's like I had no idea and I saw her a year later at, at a, the same convention and she was like my life is 100% better and flipped upside down because I went after that help that I didn't know that resource that was there. And yeah. so a lot of the times that's, you know, that's my passion is like just helping those new parents that are going, I don't know what to do. Or even like, you know, the wheelchair, like you said, there's so many young parents or young in age, but like parents of young children. Um, and it's like, they don't know 
that that would maybe be the best option for them. Like, right. yes, put them in a power chair, put them in an electric chair. You're going to give them freedom. And I know that's a scary thing to swallow. I know there's a grieving process when you get a new piece of equipment for your child that you weren't planning on ever having. Like I've had to go through that, not only for myself, but for my son. But when you see that the resource now, the wheelchair, the piece of equipment is giving your child that extra bit of freedom. It's so worth it, you know? Absolutely. So, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of passion that comes um, from me and just talking to you. And I think on like the other hand, what I'm curious to know, is there ever a time in which you just get kind of tired of, you know, people asking questions? You know, I, I can honestly, honestly, I can say it it really doesn't bother me. Um, I think, I think maybe because I can see past the, I can read people pretty well. And so I know, are you asking because you're genuinely curious or you've never experienced anyone in this situation? Like I will gladly share. I'm a, I'm a pretty open person. I, I can share the, the bathroom details if you want, like I'll go into it, you know, and then there's people who are just nosy and, and, and even that I'm like, okay, fine. If you really want to know, like, sure, I'll answer whatever, you know, it, it really doesn't bother me. I, I, um, I think I, it's funny because I, I like I said, I kind of come from two sides of it. I've been answering questions since I was four years old about why I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, I used to, in front of the class every, every year, explain it. Um, and then I became a parent to a special needs child. And I think that I had to actually learn to be okay with answering questions. It's different. Because when it was me, I knew what I was comfortable sharing. And I knew how I wanted to word it. And I knew, um, I don't know, I just, it, the safeguard was gone, I guess. I was comfortable and I didn't care. Um, and I had years and years of practice on how to answer it, right, since I was little. And then, but when people ask me questions about my child and, you know, or why, you know, do you ever think he's going to walk or do you ever think, those are a little bit harder. And it's not that I don't want to share, but I think it's, it's a new personal level for me. You know, it's my baby now. It's, you know, it's, it's things that I'm having to experience as a mother, not as someone with a disability, but now just as a mother, um, right. But even with that, not that I don't like the questions or that I'm tired of them. It's sometimes I generally don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to have an answer, but I don't, you know, when it comes to his development or what do you think he's, you know, will he ever move out of your house? Or, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, I can tell you what I wish to hope for, but I don't know. Right. And, and, you know, I think there is a line. I mean, speaking as a, as a parent, I, don't have a disability, but my daughter does. And so I also feel like, you know, when people ask me questions, I I have to draw the line because it's not my story to tell. And so I think that there's kind of um, a level of like, you know, that dignity and, and privacy that, you know, hopefully one day she can share her story. Just like how you mentioned, like you were able to word it and kind of share that story in a way that you felt comfortable. Um, I think a lot of people don't know where that line is when they're just asking questions. Um, I wish people had a little bit more self-awareness when they were asking certain questions. Um, And and it's great that you're graceful enough to answer them because I know that that that's a very personal question, you know, to ask what people are comfortable answering. And yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, that's that's like the heart behind why I wrote the children's book that I wrote because I truly believe that if we can like introduce this to really young kids and like there won't be such the, um, a gap of awkward or a gap of just uneducation or like it would just be integrated into our everyday life, like truly what inclusion would be, you know? And so even in the back of my book, like I put discussion questions for families because I've had friends who are like, Megan, I don't know how to talk about this. And I have you in my life, but I don't know how to talk about it with my kids in an appropriate way. So I saw it as like, okay, there's something, there's a resource that families need. I needed it for myself. I have yes. a very sensitive, a very curious four-year-old and <laughs> he asks me questions or, you know, he, you know, he lives with me, you know, day in and day out, I'm in a wheelchair, but we'll still go to a store and I'm like, 
just don't say anything, please don't say anything. <laughs> you know, and so it's, but that's where I'm going, okay, I still have to educate. I still have to teach my child, like right. appropriate, like you're saying, be more aware of the way you're asking things or what you're asking or what's a personal question and what's not a personal question or if, you know, especially a stranger versus a friend, you know, because when a friend comes to me and is like, hey, can I ask you something? Like, that's a different story. Like, right. absolutely, I'm going to, you know, and you're giving me the opportunity to say, yeah, I want to answer or no, I don't want to, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, kind of wrapping up, cause I do want to move into your book and a couple of other things that you have going on. Um, but you talk about your childhood and I'm, I'm really curious to know, you know, you seem incredibly confident, empowered. I mean, small business owner, there's a lot going for you. And I'm just curious to know, you know, who have been the people in your life who have really kind of lifted you up, supported you and just given you that impact kind of, you know, help you get to where you are today? Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think I can't, I can't say it's like one person, you know, I, I really think it's been a community of people between my parents and my husband and amazing friends and my sister and just all these people that have, that have come around me and, and, and cheered me on and said, you have something to share with the world. And, and, um, you know, my faith is a really big part of my life as well. And so it was one of those things I really feel like God, you know, just kind of gave me and was like, hey, you have a gift of whether it's speaking or whether it's communicating, um, but let's do something fun with it. And that's what I really wanted to do. Um, but like I said before, like my parents, that was a really big thing. Um, and, and something that I take into how I parent now, my children is, is really empowering your kids at a young age. Like you have something to give to this world, no matter the situation you're handed, you know, no matter what you're facing, everybody has something they're going through, um, whether it's a noticeable disability or a struggle that they have or whatever, but you can overcome it. You can work through it. You can learn from it. You can use it as part of your story and your, you know, we might say testimony, but like part of it just makes up who you are. So use it. And there's other people that are either in the same boat as you that need to hear what you have to say, or there's people who are wildly on the opposite end have never experienced anything like this, but can still learn from their situation. Um, and that's really, I think what I would say is I, I'm, I guess I'm more just a storyteller. I'm just sharing my experiences and, and a lot of people will look and say, Oh my gosh, you're so positive. Or you're so happy. Or you're so, you know, your Instagram. So this or so that, but, the reality is I have my struggles too. You know, I have right. my hard days. I, I have my moments as a parent. I'm going, Oh my gosh, am I totally failing and sucking <laughs> at this? You know, or, um, you know, issues as, you know, uh, being married or whatever. Like we all have things we're working through. I'm no different. Um, do I have different experiences? Absolutely. Do I have different struggles that, you know, maybe only people in my situation will understand? Yeah. But everyone does, you know, right. everyone's got their, <laughs> Absolutely. No. And, and I think that that's, that's kind of like the unifying factor of, you know, while the, the details may be different, um, we kind of all experience struggle, disappointment, you know, discouragement or whatever. But I want to move into um, kind of different members of your family. So we'll start off with with your husband Jake. Um, you know, how did you guys meet? Tell us a little bit about about like family dynamic. You know, who's who's the goofy one? Who's the more reserved one? How do you? Who is who in in your relationship? <laughs> so um, I swear we could have our own reality TV show. Because- <laughs> I love it. (laughs) We have quite a bit of personality within this uh, family of ours. But so Jake and I actually met in high school. We've known each other since we were 15. And we honestly became friends at first because everyone's like, how did a 16-year-old like know he was going to date and marry someone in a wheelchair? I'm like, I don't think he thought about that. First of all, he's a boy. And I think we just, the things people say, you know? Oh God, um, that could be a whole book in itself, right? <laughs> Seriously, I could write a book on that. Um, we became best friends. We have all the time. We 
uh, you know, we were in a, in a group of other friends and, and we just really enjoyed being around each other. And pretty early on, we knew, um, even at kind of a young age, I, I had a feeling, a really deep down feeling like I'm going to be with you forever. And um, so we did, all through, we did it all through high school. We won prom royalty in high school. Stop it. That's so um, precious. I love that. <laughs> so kind of a special thing. He, um, we knew we were on the ballad, whatever. And so we kind of had a plan. We're like, okay, if we win, we're all about the shock factor, right? So if we win you should probably take me out of my chair and dance with me. And so they called our names. We won. So we kind of like pulled off the dance floor. He picked me up and he danced with me. And like all of our classmates were like crying. Okay. <laughs> and in high school and for us, we're like, yeah, nailed it. Right. We got the tears forward. <laughs> so then fast forward, we get engaged. Um, that's a fun story. I'll share another time, but we get engaged and we have a wedding of around 400 people and you guys just don't know anybody at the, clearly just no yeah we're not <laughs> we're, you know we don't like people apparently <laughs> so same thing we were like okay our first dance you should probably come out you know be carrying me and so we planned it to like we kind of went into the kitchen where they were catering our food and he picked me up out of my chair and walked out carrying me and everyone just Lost it. Describe. You guys are just makeup messer uppers. Okay, just really getting the tears going with these people. So I, re- I already love you guys together already. This is great. <laughs> no, we're fun, but you know it's really cool. We we I can honestly say like we complement each other very very well, mm-hmm. and a lot of people love the the inside scoop on what does it look like? How does your relationship work? Because he is like a total guy okay he's got a shame tag he's got a beard he's got tattoos down his arms he's a musician that's what he does for a living and I'm just completely I'm a girly girl and he has to curl my hair and he has to help me do things and he people are like can you please do a hair tutorial he's like I'm not doing that (laughs) but the thing is I always say you know I didn't find the guy who knew how to do my hair I found a guy who was willing to learn because he loved me. And as cheesy as that sounds, like Girl, it's true. no, that's, listen, okay, you're not ruining my makeup. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but, but I mean, no. absolutely. I mean, what better, what better husband yeah. to find, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he didn't seek out someone, you know, in a wheelchair. Some people have weird assumptions like that. We just truly fell in love with each other. And so we're just doing life. And, and some days are hard and some days are challenging. And, but most days we are, we're just one solid team and we got each other's back. And um, we both encourage each other in chasing our dreams. You know, he just today, he sat with me for six hours and packed a crazy amount of Christmas orders. I saw that. Everyone went nuts. I saw your post. And today. he, he did, and he did it all, you know, and, and we're a team and I helped him where I can help him, but he physically was doing it all for me. And so that's where we're just, we're really blessed. And, and the cool thing is if you were to sit and interview him, he would say the same thing about me, that I am the biggest supporter of him and help him in ways that people don't understand. So it's cool. It's a really cool balance. He's, he's goofy, but he also is kind of quiet. I'm outgoing. I'm kind of loud. Um, so we all bond each other out. We love being around people. We love hosting people over for dinners. Like we're just we're your average couple, but not your average couple. At right, <laughs> right. And, and you know, listen, what's average at this point, right? Um, and, and and you know, not the fact that you are in an interabled relationship. Lots of people have misconceptions about that. Yeah, that that's why I. You know, like you're saying, a lot of people have misconceptions about about interable couples or how it works. The you know just the realities of it, and um, and that's why I love to go on even just my social medias and and give a tiny glimpse of what our daily life looks right. like because um, it can be pretty boring and pretty average, and then it can be pretty crazy and pretty weird. Right. Um, and so, but but ultimately, it comes down to we care about each other, and I think you know, other interable couples can say the exact same thing is we're not doing it because we're, you know, Jake hates it when he gets the pat on the back for being this amazing caretaker 
because he's like, I, I love her. So why wouldn't I care for her? And it's really a principle that every relationship should have. If you care for the person, you're going to take care of whatever those needs are. Um, And it just looks different for everyone, you know? Right. And you know, you've said you're, you're pretty much an open book, but I'm curious, especially when it comes to like your relationship, do, do you feel that Jake's more, more protective about people asking certain questions? My husband, all of our friends can attest if he, his like life goal is to make awkward situations even more awkward. Oh, and man. so, I, he, yes. So he's gonna, yeah. So he's going to crack a joke. Or he's mm-hmm. going to say something like he's going to find the inappropriate line and he's going to like jump as far over it as he can. Um, and so we kind of balance each other because sometimes I'll be really willing to say a lot more and he's a little more reserved. And then other times I'm like, oh, my God, what is he going to say right now? Like, so, I, yeah. you know, it's kind of both. It's kind, it's kind of both. But um, and I think I I think we have a decent judgment on like what's appropriate right. and not appropriate to talk about. Um but you know, kind of moving on to the other two members of your family, uh, you have two boys, Bronx and Shy. Um, I want to know what their dynamic is. How 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 did they, as as two brothers, kind of see the world? You know, with a mom who has a disability and a brother who has a disability. I'm just curious. They're the best. Oh my god, they're seriously the best. Um wildly different I know how you know before I had kids people are like oh every child's different and I'm like how can they be that different like they're raised in the same house they're right blah, blah, blah. and then I had two kids two boys right? that are only my boys are only 20 months apart and with my older one Bronx he is now seven and shy is five um with Bronx's different delays a lot in the beginning they actually kind of developed at the same pace even though they were um 20 months apart they kind of hit a lot of different milestones at the same time, potty training, different things like that. Um, but they are so different. Bronx is a little more reserved. He can be goofy, but he has to be super comfortable with you. Um, shy does not live up to the name shy. Um, he is, he actually, we've taught him when he meets people, he says, hi, my name is shy S H A I because it's not S H Y. Like he is the most outgoing kid. He does not know a stranger. We have to like teach him like stranger danger. Cause I'm like, you cannot just go up to anybody and like, you're like, you gotta pull it back a little, you know? Um, super, super smart. They're both brilliant. Bronx is reading now. It's just crazy to, to watch him develop. Um, together, they're just, they're the sweetest. They're also your typical brothers. They fight, they want to punch each other. They get mad at each other, all of it. Um, but my favorite is to watch how they communicate because um, Bronx has some different delays in speech and, and, you know, emotional things like that. And, and shy's on it, man. He knows he sometimes has to tell us, Oh, he's upset because of, you know, X, Y, Z, or he's trying to tell you da, 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 da. And, and I love it. Cause I think um, they have a super special bond. I think that they always will. I think they'll always understand each other really well. Um, I think, you know, there's things we're having to teach Shy. You know, that's that's different, obviously, about his brother. Um, but he's sweet. He has the most tender heart, and um, but he's also super matter of fact. You know how kids are very much. Oh, very they, much. They see it. <laughs> they see it. They say it. You know, and and Shy will say Shy will say things like, "Well, mom, you can't do that because you're in a wheelchair." I'm like, "Thank you, son." Like, I love oh, that. <laughs> no um, wheelchair. No filter, but I love it. I love it so much. Um, and, and like I said before that they are the reason that I wrote my children's book and why I started this brand, because if my own kids have questions about people with differences, I know other people's family members have questions. And so I just wanted to have a super simple resource um, a way to introduce it to young kids. You know, my, my friend Tina, she says, you know, if you can front load and you can really do this at an early age, do it at home. Don't expect only teachers to do it. Do it in your own home. Then it's open for discussion for families, things like that. And, and I'm telling you, even, you know, I, I'm an electric chair, you know, Bronx, he doesn't currently, you know, walk independently. You know, we all have something. And 
even then my children still have questions. Um, and I think questions are great because curiosity, um, you know, if we avoid things, we're actually developing exclusion. Absolutely. So when we, when we allow them to ask questions and even if you don't know the answers, telling your child, I don't know, is a totally appropriate answer. Um, and we've been there. We, there's times that I'm like, honey, I, I don't know why they, you know, are using that piece of equipment or why they're missing that limb. Like, I don't know why. And sometimes it's appropriate to ask and sometimes it's not at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're awesome. They're two incredible little boys. Love it. Well, I can't wait. We're going to take a quick break right now. Um, in just a moment, we will be hearing more about, um, no such thing as normal, which is your book. And I want to hear more about, um, Miss wheelchair 2020 and now 2021. Um, but we're going to take a break just after a word from our sponsors. Allison Hertog, an attorney and formal special ed teacher, is passionate about advocating for students with disabilities because she was once one herself. She was retained in second grade because she couldn't read. She found out years later that the school psychologist did some testing and told her parents Allison would never go to college how wrong they were. Allison understands at a deep level how easily schools can misunderstand and misserve students. Her struggle to overcome learning disabilities as well as the blows to her confidence she took over and over again shaped who she is today. Before becoming a lawyer, she earned a master's degree in special education and taught children with varying special needs. Allison's experience as a special needs student and as a teacher makes her a highly unique lawyer in the field of special education. She's won or settled every case she's filed. Allison fights for kids as if they were her own. This is not just a business for her, but a calling. California parents can sign up for a free consultation at makingschoolwork.com. I want to hop on and talk a little bit about um, your book first off, because I feel like we have been alluding to that from the very beginning of our conversation. No such thing as normal. Um, you've talked about how you know your children are kind of the inspiration and drive behind the book. Um, you mentioned also in the description, um, it speaks to the curiosities and difficult questions that arise in a world full of diversity. Um, where do you feel we are as a society in terms of disability representation? I feel like we have a long way to go but I feel like we're making strides um, towards doing our best. Um, and so that's awesome. And I'm not discounting the amazing work that some people have already done, but I do think we have, we have a little bit of ways to go as far as, as truly seeing what inclusion is like. It's not having your token handicapped person in a video. It's yes. allowing that person, if they're the, if they're the right fit, to also be able to be the, the lead role. Um, I, I don't think it's giving someone a position just because they have a disability. I, I think true, you know, looking at equality and things like that is, does this person have, you know, the talent or gifting to, to do the same thing as this one? Great. And let's give them the opportunity to do it as well. Um, that's just, you know, in maybe the terms of media or things like that. But um I think we are doing well only, I think we're doing well because we're actually addressing that there's an issue. Um, I think for so many years it was swept under the rug. I think for so many years there were a few voices, you know, rising up and trying to make changes as far as accessibility or, you know, rights, different things like that. But I think we're now at a playing field where we're saying, yes, we all want accessibility. We all want to live an independent life, but, but now let's go into other areas like entertainment and, right. and literature and, you know, things like that, that I would love to see it more diverse. You know, I, I would love to see, I would love for it to not be such an anomaly that, a, a, you know, someone with a disability is a business owner. Like right. I, I think it should be a, a regular thing, you know, um, but there's a lot of things that go into that. So I, I think we're making strides in the right direction. 
a nu- numerous amount of books that have been coming out that have, um, you know, that, that address accessibility and that ha- have, you know, just talk about the conversation of being disabled. So I think we are moving, um, in a better direction. I think, so for me personally, I've gotten a lot of questions from other parents about how they should facilitate conversations with their kids about disabilities. Books being a big conversation starter like yours, where you have included, you know, conversations to kind of get that going. Um, What would be your advice um, on raising children who value really creating accessible spaces for other kids as well? Yeah, you know, I can only go off of my own personal experiences and opinions. And, um, you know, I think, like you say, you know, it starts at home. That's the first place it starts. And the more resources, there are some amazing books out there right now. Um, You know, yes, I wrote a book, but there's a ton of other ones out there right now. And the more you can have at home, the better. And and also not even just at your home, but offering it to schools and libraries and um, different places like that. Um, but I also think for a parent, both sides, for a parent that has someone with a disability, maybe someone who does not have a family member, I think not being afraid to actually notice the difference, hmm. but then point to your child more or less the similarity. And, and a simple example is I'll be scrolling through my Instagram and my son will be sitting in my lap just the other night. And there was this little girl and she had no arms, no legs. And he said, oh, mom, look. I said, look it. She, she doesn't have arms or legs. I said, look how beautiful she is. And he's like, yeah, mommy, she's so cute. And so, yes, we're recognizing. We're not trying to pretend like the disability is not there or the difference isn't there. But it's way past that. Move past that and and talk about things that you see that are amazing or beautiful or, hey, look, she looks like that little boy likes race cars just like you, you know, and and highlighting things that are the same. I think that's a great way to start facilitating some of those conversations. Um, And your home is a safe place to do that. Absolutely. And I love that. First of all, that was a piece of advice that I got um, pretty early on. And I think that kids are really smart and incredibly loving. And I think that, you know, we don't want to erase another person's disability as if it's taboo. Rather, we can acknowledge it and then see that person for what they are, which is another person. So I really love, we're humanizing them. And I think that that's a really great piece of advice um, that kids can just soak up and like, yes, we address it. But they're a whole other human being with full of, you know, amazing things just like you, just like your brother and and the rest of us. I think even for parents, I think it's a fear of they don't know how to answer the questions. And and like I said before, it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's okay to, to maybe even ask yourself as an adult. And if you're that uncomfortable, start surrounding yourself with different people or start connecting Mm. with people on social media and, and ask appropriate questions and educate yourself and, um, you know, jump in and, and so that you can be prepared to answer those questions for your children. Um, I think that's part of your responsibility, you know? Um, so yeah, that's great. And, you know, you have a lot of things going on. We have, you know, your book, but we also have that you are Miss Wheelchair Tennessee 2020. And then um, it's also being extended to 2021, correct? It is, yeah, because of the pandemic and a lot of um, the, the duties that I would normally have had for um, being Miss Wheelchair Tennessee 2020, um, they extended it or they offered, you know, me the opportunity to extend it. So I took it. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. And it kind of all goes alongside even my brand. So, so yes, I have my book, but, um, no such thing as normal, but not aside from it in conjunction with it. Um, my brand is really my heart. Um, because there's other items within it. We just launched a coloring book that I'm. Yes. I saw that, which is really great. I love, I love that. It's very interactive. Yes, it's interactive. It, it exposes a lot of differences, but um, it shows 
the kids and what they love, their, their real children inside the book, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, Miss Wilder, Tennessee, the whole thing is revolved around what is your platform? What is something you, if you had to share something with the world, what would it be? And mine was really dedicated to if we can introduce these things to young children, I think a this is, you know, society will develop and grow in, um, and not feeling so awkward as adults, you know, and, and not know how to answer questions and, and all those kinds of things. So my focus, um, was really going into schools, talking to children, reading my book. Um, uh, yeah, just all, anything revolving around my platform, which is with, with young kids. So, you know, so as a result, of this new kind of opportunity and platform, um, you know, and and being able to use your voice, you know, where do you still see an opportunity to grow? How are you wanting to kind of expand by being on this platform? You know, I feel like I'm barely touching the tip of the iceberg. I I have some big dreams and big uh, plans and things that I want to do and accomplish. Um, my my biggest heart, if I could, like, my husband says, if money wasn't a thing, what would you want to do? And I'm like, I want to just go around and speak and share my story and encourage people and just give them the little bit of, whether it be a life experience or advice or anything that I have, I want to freely give away, right? So that's what I love and that's what I hope someday that I can just really jump in and get to do. Um, but as far as, you know, I, I feel like our brand, no such thing, is really just now um, starting to snowball and starting to kind of pick up traction and do some some really fun things. Um, we have plans. We, we want to see, like we were talking earlier, more representation. Like I said, we launched the book, the coloring book. We want to see this in screenplays. We want to see this in video. We want to see... Um, other resources. My heart is to be a resource for families and not just special need families, for families in general, because this is a topic that everyone really uh, should have their hands in. So um, yeah, I mean, I hope to grow. We're doing this all. I mean, I'm new to all of it though. So I'm extremely blessed for, for what it did this past 10 months. You know, we just launched it in February and um, we've gotten great response. People have been so supportive and they're hungry for um, a resource. They're hungry for help in this topic. And if I can help, then I want to. So yeah, um, all of us, it takes all of us being an advocate, it takes all of us using our voice, um, using our life experience. Um, you know, it's not, I, I've had a few people come to me and they're kind of like timid to ask, but they're like, hey, you know, I want to write a book, you know, and, and I know they're kind of feeling weird asking just by the way they're prompting it. And I'm like, there's room for all of us. Like, <laughs> everyone. like if everybody could just take their gifts and talents and use them, we'll see really good change in this world. Um, so, so that's my heart. That's my passion. Um, I want to see, yeah, I would love to see the brand explode and do amazing, but I really just, I want to help families and help people. So and, and, you know, just kind of like a, a random tidbit, because what I was, I know that sometimes the conversation people think that, um, like being like in a pageant, um, comes with like conversations, of like beauty standards, it's kind of like an inevitable kind of question. So, you know, what's your take on like beauty standards as they pertain to disabled women? I wish I could say that, well, one, the Miss Wilter, Tennessee is not solely a beauty pageant. It really is about your platform and what you want to advocate. But they do care about poise and they care about class. And I agree 100%. I wish there was more class, less trash. Um, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think that there are young girls looking up to adult women, disabled women, um, not just on how to travel being in a wheelchair or how to um, date being disabled. They're looking at how do you carry yourself and, you know, the confidence that you have and how do you dress? And, you know, not, not necessarily like that's my role to teach them that, but 
if I'm choosing to be a public figure, meaning I'm, I'm choosing to put myself on social media and, and open myself up, then, then I want to be a good example, you know, for, for the younger generations. Um, and I think I actually got to do a really cool um, interview with this company that is working on different clothing for women. And they're working specifically on intimate clothing. And I think I it's so it. cool because right? yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's a total need for this. Um, and they're just trying to pull from other people that, you know, what are your needs? What are your wants? What do you want to see? How do you feel good and beautiful? And, you know, all those kind of things. It's cool. So I love it. I love seeing the creativity that people have and the heart to do good, but also be classy and, and make women feel sexy and just all those things. Like it's, it's, it's really neat. And I think we're on the brink of a lot of really, really cool, um, just cool new things coming. I think that's fantastic. And I think those kind of opportunities of just having the realization that uh, disabled women are women too. They want to feel pretty. They want to have access to just regular things, just like regular people, um, which still seems to be foreign to some people. I don't know why, but honestly, in just talking to you and just seeing the fact that you are growing exponentially, like, Honestly, Megan, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and I'm so thankful you were able to join with me today. Um, where can our listeners follow and support you and all the things that you're doing? Yeah. So, I mean, our biggest, um, just platforms right now that we use is Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can find me personally as Megan Dejarnet. Um, and then you can find the book, the coloring book, if you're interested in any of that. We're just following along and seeing what we're doing um, at nosuchthing.co. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we would, we would love it. We love making new friends. And I'm on there all the time talking to people. And my team's on there talking to people. So come say hello to us. And, yeah. Awesome, Megan. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you have a great evening and we will be speaking again soon. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for listening. As always, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it and share this episode with a friend. Access resources, episode notes, podcast merch, and more at www.advocatelikeamother.org. And if you're a company looking to partner with us via sponsorship, please reach out to us on our website. And lastly, follow us on Instagram at Advocate Like a Mother and join our community group on Facebook. Friends, we'll see you next time. Advocate Like a Mother.